And we were listening to May God Bestow on Us His Grace. It is a long gospel on this Tuesday, March the 19th. And with us in the studio is Pastor Mark Smith. Hi, Mark. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing real good. I just love the hardly any snow out there at all. No. Yeah. A beautiful weather we're finally getting. Man. Yeah. I feel sorry for the poor people out in Nebraska, though. Goodness sake. With the floods and such? Oh, man. Yeah, they were talking about that on there. I guess Fremont is an island. You know, it's uh, completely cut off. Wow. They have to fly supplies in. Well, that touches even more so what I want to be talking about today. I got a theme I got for this week, and it's a question everybody's asking. How do we reach out to the nuns? Do you want to explain who the nuns are? The nuns are people that don't go to church. They don't have any church connection at all. We're not talking about the sisterhood of the Roman Catholic no. Church. We're talking about people that... I don't I don't know if it's the best expression for... I think it's easily confused with uh, sisterhood, but uh, well, if you call it what it you will. N-O-N-E-S, it, yeah. these are people who were at church, maybe even been baptized, and they've left the church... And I am absolutely convinced that they left the church, not so much over the doctrines about Jesus Christ, but about the church's stance on certain morality. Yes, right. Mm -hmm. If the the church preaches what they don't want to hear, uh, they don't want any part of it. And they don't want anything to do with the God. Now, I've had a number of conversations with folks who I encourage them to come to adult instruction, but they want to talk, first of all, with me. And they'll ask questions is, how can you believe today, where many scientists are teaching evolution, how can you still believe in the Genesis 1 account? Or how can you believe that there was a crossing of the Red Sea? Or how can you believe that Jesus did miracles feeding 5,000 people with just a little bread? And how can you believe that Jesus rose from the dead? And all, all kinds of questions like that. And I've come to the conclusion that to answer those questions, even if you could convince them of the truth of Scripture, that still doesn't make them a Christian. Right. The Pharisees, for example, believed in six-day, 24-hour creation, the Red Sea, Jesus rose from the dead. They believed in the resurrection. Right. Yes. But they were not saved because they did not have saving faith. Well, some of them were. Some of the, you know, Joseph of Arimathea, Nicodemus. Who did not have faith. Right, right. Yes. So in every group, there's always people who can be saved. Right. The fact of the matter is... I'm really questioning where people are dealing with, and you'll probably understand this word, the cerebrum. Uh Aha, yeah, the mental. Yes, Uh, the mind. Mind, right. And they have questions. And um, what I'm coming to the conclusion is you're going to go down the wrong lane if you start trying to answer those questions with, like, evidence that there really is six-day, 24-hour creation. I'm not opposed to people talking that way to believers mm-hmm. because believers believe the Bible. Right. So if you can show from the Bible that Jesus rose from the dead, etc., but the evidence you give to believers 
is not helpful at all to unbelievers because they don't believe the Bible. Right. And so I'm trying to think here, you know, this hymn we're going to be taking a look at today was, uh, who wrote it? Martin Luther. Yes. Oh, you know I could that. tell when I heard it. I said, it just sounds, you know, I, I thought to myself, you know, that just sounds like one of Luther's hymns. And sure enough, I looked at the bottom page, oh, Martin Luther, yes, figures. It's often been referred to, and I, I'm reading from the hymns of Martin Luther that um, Henry Gerke oh, gave uh -huh. us, that often called the first Protestant hymn of mission because of its thrust of proclaiming the gospel throughout the world. It's actually Luther's paraphrase of Psalm 67. Huh. Yes. It was included with uh, Paul Sparatus's German translation of uh, Luther's Formula Missi of 1524. And Luther allowed for the use of Psalm 67, verses 6 to 7, as a form of the benediction. Some conclude this hymn was used at the close of service. And the tune is an adaption of an older German hymn. So isn't it nice we learned something about this yeah formula missa that's a, that was a, a form a, a, a very formal service it's his oh is high it? church right you know what i find interesting as a mission hymn there's not one historic reference in it as a mission hymn doesn't have one historic what do you mean you see is that t i'm trying to think of the hymns, eh, hymns really don't get all that historical, do they? When you say historical, you mean going back to the Bible? No, I mean dealing with the history of this this particular hymn. Of that hymn. In, in other words, I believe that the way you bring someone to faith is not by trying to prove the history of the Bible, mm -hmm. but by using law and gospel. Right, right. It's It's the Holy Spirit that brings them to faith. And the Holy Spirit does not work through reason. No. What was that passage in Corinthians that the unbeliever has no ability at all to understand the Bible? Right. Um, I know what passage. I think I know what passage you're talking about. Yes. And what I found really interesting in this hymn. Yeah. There's two ways, therefore, to convert someone or attempt to convert. One is to prove the Bible. When I did my doctorate, I looked at a lot of catechisms. What I was surprised at is how many began with a chapter on why the Bible is true. <laughs> See, I, I wouldn't begin, but well, that's not, that's not really the way we begin as Lutherans. We, believe, we begin with Christ. It, well, it, how did Luther begin? The Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments. Then the Creed. Yes. In other words, shall I say law and gospel? Yeah. <laughs> so as we go through this hymn, I want to show that this is how we need to reach out to these young people who have left the church because they do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ to the point where when Jesus says something, therefore, they, they believe it. And uh, why don't we start with verse 1, if All you right. would read that, please. Okay. May God bestow on us his grace, with blessings rich provide us, 
And may the brightness of his face to life eternal guide us, that we his saving health may know his gracious will and pleasure, and also to the nations show Christ's riches without measure, and unto God convert them. Wow. There you've got the mission emphasis, and also to the also to the nations show Christ's riches without measure. But did you listen to what you were reading? I, th- I, I did. Yeah, I, th- I know. <laughs> what it is, is the face of Christ. That Christ has blessings rich to yeah. provide us, has the brightness of his faith, face. to life eternal guide us, that he has saving health that we may know, his gracious will and pleasure. You know, people who say, I just can't believe in your God, uh, for example, this uh, I'm preaching on this this week, so I don't want to say too much about it. But it's from Ezekiel, where the people are saying the ways of God are unjust. And God responds back with, no, it's not my ways that are unjust. It's your, your ways. ways that are unjust. Exactly. But see, they don't see that. No. So they have a view of an unjust God. What law and gospel does, it doesn't prove anything historical in the Bible because that's not the point of conversion. What law and gospel does is provide a face of Jesus uh-huh. that is contrary to what the devil says he's uh-huh. like. Yeah, good, good. It's just the very opposite. And... It's amazing. I mean, there are hymns that talk about the Apostles' Creed. He right. was born of the Virgin Mary. Suffered under Pontius Pilate, yes. Crucified, died, and was buried. There's none of that in here. No, no. Isn't that But it does serve, I can see where it would serve as a good benediction. Good, good final hymn. Well, not only that, this is proper witnessing. Uh, for example... I've been telling people about a program I'm watching that really is just excellent. It's about 80 hours long. It's in a series. It's called Silent Witness, about pathologists who try and figure out why people have died. Oh, boy. You're always so grim, Tom, on your shows. (laughs) No, I tell you, they had one last night that was just tremendous. Uh And now I get it from Amazon.com. You start at the beginning, and I'm trying to listen to about two hours a day on it. Because I think the music is just tremendous. It really? always fits. Really? With, like, if there's sadness or such. I don't know who was the musician there. But I've often thought, uh, looking at this, I keep thinking about we in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, ought to have another series. And even though this is called Silent Witness, I would call it Christian witness uh-huh. about guys like you and me in the congregation, what we go through all the time. Yes, yeah, so oh, I know. I've always thought that would be good. It would be true. Yeah, People yeah. have no understanding no. Uh-huh. what we go through a lot of times yeah. because we don't announce it in the pulpit. And they said, yeah, by the way, I, I caught uh, Fred over there who was with this woman and not his wife. And we had a great conversation, and, and Fred says, I'm sorry. Oh, your wife didn't know about that, Fred? Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> All kinds of stuff in our counseling and such. And I, I'm getting more and more convinced that the reason that there's something that these young people are leaving the church over 
And I used to think it was fear, but it's not. And I said that yesterday, but I want to correct that. They're leaving the church because of the pain that they have. Like they look at all these people who die in terrible accidents, and their question is, why would God allow that? And, and you cannot answer that to no, their satisfaction. We don't, we don't know the answer. We no. often don't know the answer. We often, well said. So rather than giving them answers to their secular questions that they're picking up at colleges and high schools that are secular, we need to focus them, what this verse does, on Jesus as to how much he really loves them. And the greatest love, of course, is that he was willing to give up his life. Absolutely. Point them to the cross. Exactly. When somebody understands the rich blessings they have from Jesus, when they consider his face to be bright and he's guiding us to eternal life, then the rest of Scripture falls into place. Now, I've said this before to you, but I had an individual who was a high executive in one of the companies here and wanted to marry one of my members, hmm. but he was an agnostic, and he just did not like a lot of the Bible. So he didn't want to come down on instruction. Ah, uh, that big mistake. <laughs> so he and I met, I think, six times for about an hour, an hour and a half uh -huh. as I was trying to answer his questions. Uh -huh. And they were these kinds of questions. How would God, why would he kill all those little children in Canaan and things like that uh -huh. and stuff? And there was no doubt that as I got to an answer that he knew kind of, well, yeah, I guess he would change the subject to mm -hmm. another question right away. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, we're going to be doing this for an eternity. <laughs> You've got to come to Adult Instruction. And see, Adult Instruction is different than a Bible yes. debate. Yes. Uh, trying to find evidence for the things in the Bible. It's all about long gospel. Right. It's all about Right. It. And the first three times he was there, it was obvious to me he was bored. He was just sitting there, and there were about 12 other people uh, in the class. Another such. big mistake. <laughs> Well, the third Wednesday, it was after our Tuesday night class, he uh -huh. told me that he was going downstairs to have breakfast to make it for himself. And as he was getting near the refrigerator, he was thinking about what, was, what had been said. Uh -huh. And it suddenly hit him. It was all true. Hmm. And he fell on his knees crying. No kidding. What? 18 years later... I'm sorry, 18 weeks later, he became a member of the church, an officer in the church. They got married, and it's a beautiful marriage. No kidding. Yes. And it suddenly hit me. You know, I, I kept saying, you got to come down on instruction, and I was trying to figure out, why am I even saying that? Because I was answering his questions. He wasn't able to give an answer to that because I knew the Bible better than he uh -huh. did. But these people have pain when they think of the God we have because they don't like the way God acts. And um, I've got a really good sermon coming up Sunday. What was it that uh, you think now? No, the Holy Spirit, of course, is what brought him to his knees. But well, how, what, what in particular had you said that? Well, we were going through the commandments. I spent half of the animal instruction class just uh, on the commandments. On the commandments, sure. But 
the gospel is there all the time. Oh, sure. I mean, how do you explain we should fear, love, and trust in God above all things? You have to explain what the fear means, that he had the power to put us to hell, but he did not. Right. And he so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Um, I I just remember that um, Philip, with the Ethiopian eunuch, all they talked about was Isaiah 53, Mm -hmm. and maybe how God transfers to the Ethiopian eunuch the, the gifts. Through baptism. Yes. And he saw water and said, what prevents me from being baptized? That's right. And look at the Apostle Paul. He fell off a horse and came to faith. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so I don't know what particular words the Holy Spirit uses, but I'm absolutely convinced if they're not from a law gospel perspective. In other words... Proving that Jesus rose from the dead doesn't do any good, but if you can show he rose from for the you. dead. For you. Yeah. What's that one hymn? It's for us. For us. Yes. Da, da, da. How many times it says for us, yes. for us, for well us. Said. Exactly. So let's go to the second verse and see if Luther follows this up. Go ahead. All right. Thine over all shall be the praise and thanks of everything, of every nation. And all the world with joy shall raise the voice of exaltation. For thou shalt judge the earth, O Lord, nor suffer sin to flourish. Thy people's pasture is thy word, their souls to feed and nourish, in righteous paths to keep them. Everything is about Jesus and how he is the one who will keep them in their righteous paths. See, that's the pain they have. You will find that they do agree that they're unable to do the things they want in life. You know, sometimes they call it sin, sometimes they just call it a mistake on their part or this kind of thing. But it's so beautiful to hear that Jesus will not suffer sin to flourish. That's a promise he gives to the believer. Right. And there's no evidence for any of this. But just by using law and gospel, rather than trying to prove the history of the Bible, these people come to faith. Right. Boy, our time is almost up. Please read the last verse and see if the same thing happens. Oh, let the people praise thy worth in all good works increasing. The land shall plenteous fruit bring forth. Thy word is rich in blessing. May God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit bless us. Let all the world praise him alone. Let solemn awe possess us. Now let our hearts say, Amen. Look at that first line. Oh, let all the people praise thy worth. Right. And where's the place of good works in? The next line. In all good works increasing. See, good works are subsequent. Right. Their response. Exactly. We love because he first loved us. They're not antecedent. They're not prior in order that he would love us. I'm convinced these secular young people don't understand God. Of course not. No. No. And explaining the history of the Bible or trying to provide evidence for it, that doesn't move them to faith. It just doesn't. What moves them to faith is the gospel. And the gospel are the promises from Jesus Christ, which, by the way, we have no evidence for at all. No. No, no. I mean... It's 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 his his promises of his 
the Holy Spirit working through those promises exactly. brings us to faith. Like he promises, sin will not flourish. Well, in my life, I, I think sin is flourishing. <laughs> but then I realize, no, it's not because... God uh, looks at us through his robe of righteousness, Christ's robe. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's very good. Do, do you see the difference? You can get caught up in the devil in trying to answer the secular questions, and you're really working with a cerebrum. The mind. But the mind, I'm not interested in creating a new mind. What I'm interested in is giving the Holy Spirit the proper information to create a new heart. Yeah. Very yeah. good. Let's see. Well, it's like uh, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. That's right. Yeah. And how Psalm does that 51. come about? Does that come about by using reason? No. We Christians have blind faith. And I can't believe... How many people, even in our church, don't like that? Because yeah. they say, well, that sounds like it's not reasonable. It's not reasonable. <laughs> it's not rational. It's not rational, but it's logical. Yes. <laughs> yes. Very good. That's why we believe in the Trinity. It's a logical conclusion. But the Pharisees who put Jesus on the cross, they were looking at it from a rational point of view. How can he go to these prostitutes yes. and tax collectors yes. and or, say they're forgiven? Uh, and, the, and they believed, cursed is anyone who hangs on a tree. How could this be the Messiah? See, that was another obstacle they had. Or well, is, he was cursed. He was cursed for us. Exactly. He bore the curse for us. That's exactly right. So I'm getting more and more, and I'm, I'm, write, I'm going to be writing about this, that proper witnessing is a success when people realize that Jesus is smiling at them mm -hmm. rather than what they think. They, they don't like God mm -hmm. because they've got friends who may be homosexual or had an abortion and stuff, and, oh, God is so cruel to say that that's not true. It's because they have a wrong view of Jesus. Yeah. He loves us in spite of our connections. Exactly. And will forgive us of those sins. Right. And has a reason why they are sins. But that comes after you come to faith that he is a smiling face towards you. Mm -hmm. It's just a total different way of doing yeah. witnessing. Yeah, I think that's an important point that uh, you get across to these people that you're witness to that... God is smiling at you. He really is. Yes. He's looking upon you with love exactly. in spite of all your good point. Your messes sins and your and sins and, and your rebellion against right. him and this kind yeah, of thing. And that doesn't make any sense. Find another religion where the God sacrifices himself for your sins. <laughs> right. It's got to be divine. There's no way it couldn't be divine. No, it's divine revelation. And um we're going to be talking tomorrow. Uh, remember, I do a Bible study for churches, and um, it just so happens there's a section of Luke um, in chapter 13 that is not part of the readings during the whole year, and it fits perfectly in what I've been just saying. And so tomorrow for the Bible study, we're going to look at a part of Luke 13 that says the very same stuff I'm saying now that the way you bring conversion about is people begin to see that God is smiling He's at smiling them. at them. He's not angry. He's not ridiculous. He doesn't make any sense still. But through faith, we recognize that. Isn't that really his, different? His love is unshakable. 
And then we'll be talking about it with uh, Wes Reimnitz on Thursday also, and then Open Mic Friday. And where are you preaching and address? Preaching at Prince of Peace Lutheran Church in Crestwood, just south of the Watson and New Sappington Road intersection, 8646 New Sappington. Uh, Saturday at 5 p.m., Sunday morning at 9 a.m. We'd love to have you at Prince of Peace. We're a small but very friendly, loving congregation. Have you decided what you're preaching on Sunday? Not Sunday, no. Yeah, no. I'm I'm concentrating now on Wednesday. <laughs> and what's the theme for tomorrow night? Uh, Wednesday is uh, he. It's one of the charges that his adversaries make. He stirs up the people. Nine thirty on KFUO for a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel. Please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box two eight nine one zero, St. Louis, Missouri six three one three two. To give online, visit Law and Gospel one zero one dot com or call toll free one. 877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.